All right, Ed, I appreciate you joining this podcast again. I believe you are, not not again, actually, I've been on yours twice, but I, I appreciate you joining the podcast today. Uh, I believe you are the number seven or eight, as I told kind of the world when I decided to do this rollout, that I would do my best to try to get anywhere between five to 10 guests to do kind of like a 2022 uh, wrap up and breakdown and then look into 2023. So I appreciate you um, always giving me the advice, always supporting me, and then finally joining me on my platform today. So so please tell the world who you are, um, what you're excited about just in, in general, and kind of what your background is briefly, and then and then we'll dive into this 2022 wrap up and, and look into a 2023 world. And you know, whether I'm number one, number eight, or number 50, I'm thrilled to be here, Anthony chatting with you. And uh, as far as a background goes, my name's Ed Everts, and I'm a leadership coach, team coach, and business strategist based in the Boston area. I've been doing this work for about 15 years. Prior to being independent, I worked for a number of organizations based in the Boston area, first in retailing and then in business-to-business services. Left my last company in 2008 and transitioned into my own independent practice uh, that I continue to do through today. And, you know, 2022, like any other year, was filled with numerous ups and downs. And I think all of us should be ensuring that we are observing and learning from our experiences. You know, oftentimes things happen to us and we don't pay attention to them or we don't recognize what might be happening. And I think it's always important to pause and one of my new favorite words, reflect on uh, what happened, why it happened, and more importantly, what I can do differently next time in order to have a different type of outcome. As a leadership coach and as a business professional, I tend to be very future focused. So while I think the past is interesting to reflect on, I do need to ensure that people are working and taking visible action in order to uh, make different outcomes happen in the future. So, you know, in 2022, when I think about uh, key lessons and things that I work with others on, because I don't think it's all about me, but it's about you and people who are actively working in organizations, you know, three things popped up in my mind as we had asked that question. One was to ensure people are having a positive relationship with their boss. You know, your boss is the number one gatekeeper for you in your organization. And I'm not suggesting you should be best friends. I'm not suggesting you go out for margaritas every Friday night, but you do want to ensure that you have a positive, productive relationship with your boss. And there's a number of ways to do that in order to ensure that you're making good progress on that front. Secondly, is building your own self-awareness on the pluses and minuses that you bring your role and relationships in your organization. We all have pluses and we all have minuses and we can work till we're, you know, blue in the face in respect of working on those minuses, but some of them will just always be there. And so just having high self-awareness on who you are, what you do well, and what you need help with is super, super critical. And then lastly, for 2022, as I look back, Anthony, is really ensuring that people take ownership for their career. Nobody cares more about you than you, more than your spouse, more than your parents, more than your children. They think about you a lot, but nobody thinks about you more than you. And so you have to ensure that you are not just riding the wave, but you're taking proactive, thoughtful steps 
in order to ensure that your career and the direction in which you're going satisfies what you want to do and who you are. So I'll pause there maybe for a minute, Anthony. I talked a lot about me in 2022. No, I appreciate all of that, Ed. And I think some of those we can definitely dive into today because I think um, the, actually, let's let's go this way because I want to I want to touch on this a little bit more than some of the others and then but we will we will touch the others. When you say build and make sure you have a great relationship with your boss, you know, and a positive relationship, what are some themes that that come along with that, you know, tactically, right? Like how how would one go about that work because obviously you know my background to a certain degree as it pertains to this employee's first mindset and on the opposite side of things, I'm really big on making sure leadership and, and organizations are taking responsibilities to make sure that the relationship between uh, you know, a direct report and supervisor and or boss is, is productive and, and positive. But from what I'm hearing with this, the way you've worded it, I'm, I'm assuming that there are some tactical approaches and some different mental frameworks that a professional you know, and, and an employee can, can do to make sure that that relationship is positive and not just have the responsibility be in the hands of the, of the manager or the supervisor. So what are your, what are your thoughts there? So this is super important for people to be thinking about. And the first thing I would ask our listeners to do is just to think on a scale of one to six, one being very low, a very poor relationship, six being very high. You know, we finish each other's sentences. We are great, great colleagues. So six is very high. Where do I currently fall? And for anybody who really is at a four or lower, I would suggest that they have work to do to ensure that they have a more positive relationship with their boss. Bosses are the gatekeeper for you in an organization. If you were thinking about another opportunity, one of the first things somebody's going to do is talk to your boss and say, tell me about Ed. What kind of worker is he? What do you think of him? So forth and so on. So it's so important that you have a very positive relationship with your boss. And I'm sure there are people out there who don't have a positive relationship with their boss and they can feel the weight of that relationship just bearing down on them because it complicates everything that they do in the workplace when you don't have a positive relationship with your boss. So if you're one of those people who picked four or lower, one, two, three, or four, you know, the first thing that I'd ask you to do is to sit down and on a sheet of paper, list out, you know, what are some of the positive aspects I have in this relationship? And what are some of the negative aspects? What are some of the issues or challenges that I'm having with my boss? And that's just to ensure that you just get it out of your head and you've got it down on a sheet of paper so that you can look at it and really organize it and ensure you're very confident with how you feel about the relationship that you have with your boss. The second thing then is to also uh, speak with your boss. And this is super hard to do. You know, when I talk about this to others and on other podcasts, you know, people's eyes roll because they're like, well, I'm not going to go talk to my boss about this. But in reality, because you are the person who cares most about you and your career more than anybody else on this globe, you have to take the ball and ensure that you start the conversation. And this is not a controversial conversation. This is a conversation where you say something like, hey, Anthony, I really enjoy working here. I love working for the organization. And I think you and I could have a better relationship than we have today. Would you be, what are your thoughts on that? 
And would you be interested in working on it to ensure it gets better and better as time passes? That's it. And you know there are multiple answers that your boss can give. And it includes everything from, you know, you're crazy. I don't want to talk about this. Get out to thank you, Ed, for bringing this topic up. I completely agree. And let's work on it. If it's that first topic where the boss is unresponsive, disinterested, or toxic, that issue there is one more of, am I in the right place? Nobody should work for a boss and have a work experience where their uh, boss or manager is making their life so miserable that they can't sleep at night and are not enjoying their work. They need to find an organization or find a boss in their current organization who respects them and ensures that they can focus on the things that they can bring their organization. So if you are in a situation where your boss relationship is so toxic, you can't get anything done, you got to find a way to move on. If you're at the other end where your boss is interested in participating in this type of conversation, that's great. And then you just set a time to, from that brief meeting to, well, let's schedule something in a couple of weeks. Maybe we can go to breakfast or lunch and let's just start talking about it. And let's both come prepared with some of the things we think we can do differently to be more effective. And the last thing I would say, Anthony, is that a relationship with a boss is a relationship, which means there's two people. It's not you changing everything and your boss not changing anything, or it's not your boss changing everything they're doing that's driving you crazy and you're not changing anything. Both people need to do something a little bit differently in order to ensure that both parties are respected and that you can move forward effectively. So you have to think about if I want my relationship with my boss to be better, what can I do differently in order to help ensure that? Hey, Ed, what's the waiting period? Right, because I, I want to dissect a lot of what you said, but let me ask you this this direct question. What's the waiting period? Let's say, you know, a professional, let's say a professional decides to build a relationship with or or better build a relationship with their with their supervisor. How long should that person wait as they try to build that relationship, as they try to utilize some of the tactics you mentioned today? How long between that first conversation to things aren't getting better. Like what's that waiting period to really see if things are going to play out and improve before the individual walks away from the company or potentially does a internal shift and move to a different team or department? What does that look like? Well, everybody's situation is going to be dramatically different. And I am a big fan of looking at things like a movie and not a snapshot. So this idea of given enough time to, you know, gee, did I just hit my boss on a bad day? That's a snapshot. But if there's multiple events where we're not getting along, that's a movie. And that means I need to do something about it. You know, I've worked with bosses whom I have gotten along with throughout our whole relationship. And we're talking four or five, six years. And I've had bosses who on day one, we had a conflict or difference where I left saying, wow, this is the first day I've reported this person and it's not going well, right? So it can happen at different times and for different people. What I would suggest that people do is give it a little time and just see, is this a movie? And is this how it's going to be? Or is it just a snapshot and it's never happened again and now I don't need to worry about it. But if, is it, if it is a movie and the movie can happen very quickly within the first couple of weeks, or it might take a few months, it's important, Anthony, that you find a way to ensure that you bring the topic up with your boss because your boss isn't going to bring it up with you and or what your boss is more thinking about is how do I get Ed out of the organization, not how do I improve my relationship with Ed. 
And that's an important difference to understand, Anthony, in this, in that you are going to want to think about how can I improve the relationship? That's not what your boss is going to be thinking about. They may think about it. I'm not suggesting it's black and white, but they may think about it. But most bosses are not going to be thinking about how do I improve my relationship with Ed? They're going to be thinking about, is Ed the right person? I need to move Ed out. So their perspective and uh, vantage point on the situation is going to be much, much different. Again, that's why you have to drive your career and ensure that you are taking steps in order to make positive progress because your vantage point and your boss's vantage point are going to be much different. So timing is relative to the situation. Treat it like a movie. Once you have two or three examples where things may not be going well or aren't unfolding the way that you thought, you got to step in and do something about it. And the last thing I would say, the sooner you step in, the better. Because you know if somebody is late at work and you never say anything to them, they're always going to be late at work. But if somebody's late at work a couple of times and you have a conversation with them early on and talk about the importance of timeliness and what you expect from them as a employee in respect to being timely, the likelihood of them fixing it or you know evolving is greater, right? So you want to swoop in as soon as you can to ensure that the future, as we focus on the future, unfolds in the way that you wanted. I love all that, Ed. And here, here's how I'll wrap this, this, this one segment up here. You know, with, with my Beyond Brand company, you know, I've been working on and I actually stole this idea originally, this framework, if you will, and then turned it into a service that has been doing really well from, um, I can't remember who put this article out, but are you familiar with like first round capital and some of the articles that they put out? Have you ever heard of that? I have. Yes. They put out a lot of great content from leadership and HR and, and uh, things of that nature. And so they put out an article years ago around like manager user manuals, um, and I took that idea and I built it into a service underneath of my Beyond Brand business where the, the, the core of the business model is helping managers think through themselves a user manual, if you will, a breakdown of what they prefer, desire, and expect from their, from their team and how to internally communicate that in a way that is productive, that is honest, that is transparent, that is direct but being also very honest, right? And so certain elements of the user manual were like, hey, here are my pet peeves. Like, I'm just going to be very honest with it. I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. But currently, because like the, the foundation of the user manual was around, and this is what I loved about First Round Capital and the way they structured it, I they, they were pretty much saying a lot of content and a lot of advice in the leadership space is very aspirational, where there's not as much content and not as much best practices or frameworks around, hey, just communicate how things are right now, not necessarily what you want to do in the future or how you're working to get better. Give your people some information around what will work for you in the present time and, and be authentic and, and honest and vulnerable about that. And so one of the categories that I've worked on a lot with leaders has been being very honest with your team around how they can communicate to you to get your attention. Every, I, I believe every person, if they're facilitated or if they think thoroughly enough, can be very honest about, hey, look, if you're going to approach me with the type of conversations you're alluding to today, Ed, if you're going to approach me with this conversation, 
Here's the best way to approach it. Here's the best time to approach it. Here's what's on my plate right now, why it may seem like I'm not interested in having this conversation. Here's a better time to have the conversation. Here's the best ways to structure the conversation that won't, that won't give me a threat response, that won't trigger me, that will allow me to dive in and be a little bit more empathetic and listen to you a little bit more closely. So kind of giving the secret to your team around, hey, look, communication is important. Positive relationships are important. Here for me right now in this present time is the best way to, to, to start and to have and to build this relationship with me personally. What are your thoughts on managers kind of creating this roadmap, this user manual for their team members so that, so that the team members to do what you're asking can do so in a way where they know exactly to the T how to hold the conversation, when to have it, and what elements of the conversation to have in a way that's going to drive the best results. What are your thoughts on all that? What you are also talking about, Anthony, is really the educational institution that we have all grown up in, in the United States. And I think this is true in most other countries of the world. And our educational institutions are highly focused on helping you figure out what to do in life. Do you want to be an engineer? Do you want to be a nurse? Do you want to be an attorney? Do you want to be an economist, right? Then all of the classes you took and all the focus has been on what to do. Very little time has been spent, and certainly there are places that do it to some degree today, but very little time has been spent on how to do it. You know, how do you be a great leader? How do you motivate others? How do you communicate with others? And, you know, there's the American Management Association and all these companies that provide training on these fronts. And, you know, training is great, but it may not be long lasting. But, you know, what you're talking about is how I work as a leader. And I think one of the best things a leader can do when they either step into a role and already have a team or are hired and build a team, you know, whatever the situation might be, that they have a conversation with everyone, either one-on-one or as a group, on how I work. You know, this is what I expect. This is how I best interact with others. This is how I like information. Some people are visual, some people are audible, right? I mean, what is it and how do you work as a leader so that we can ensure that we connect well? Again, unfortunately, we don't spend hardly any time on the how I work as a leader in organizations. We spend a lot of time on what we do, but not a lot of time on how we do it. So I think you're dead on. And I think that focusing as much time as possible on how I operate is super critical. Let me just tell you quickly from a personal experience in my 15 years as a coach, almost every client I've ever had has been presented to me as an expert in what they do. So Ed is an expert attorney, Ed is an expert manufacturing engineer, Ed is an expert pharmaceutical engineer. You know, he is an expert in what he does. It's how he's doing it that's problematic for him. He's not building relationships. People don't like working with him. He's arrogant, right? It's, It's the how you do it that becomes problematic. So if I had a magic wand, I would ensure our educational institutions were spending a percentage of their time on how to be a leader as much as we spend time on what we do in our roles in our lifetime. I love that. I love that. 
Uh, what were a couple other of the uh, of the thoughts here, and then we'll move on from a from a 2022 perspective. What are some other themes? I know you mentioned a few, but the EDDs kicking in. I want to make sure I remember them. So, what was the uh, what was the second one that you mentioned? I would love to unpack that a bit before we move on to 2023. Sure. Well, this is a big one, and we could probably spend the rest of our time together talking about building self awareness, and so uh, really helping people, and this is what I do as a leadership coach, and I'm sure this is what you do in your role, Anthony, at your organizations, which is helping people build their self-awareness on how others experience them. If there's anybody who should know how someone experiences you at work, it's you. And again, we don't spend a lot of time helping people understand how other people are experiencing them, because that falls under how versus what, and we don't spend a lot of time on how. So uh, ensuring that you're looking for ways to understand how people experience you, the good and the bad, the pluses and minuses, whatever it might be, is super important for your success. If you don't know how others experience you, you're never going to be able to self-manage those relationships and work effectively. There are people who don't care. They don't care how other people experience them. I'm always right. I'm really good at what I do. So just get out of the way. Again, those might be the type of person you don't want to work with. And there are others who are very interested in how people experience them so they can self-manage and ensure that they have great relationships, get great work done, and are heralded for the accomplishments that they have had. So really looking for ways to identify how people experience you is super important. One of the key tools we use in my industry is called a 360, where we go out and ask people. Uh, anonymously and confidentially, how do you experience Ed at work, right? Tell us what you like about Ed and tell you what you think Ed should be doing a little bit differently to be more effective. I never had that done during my complete professional career. And I know if I had it done at certain times, I would have benefited significantly as would my organization, right? It's not, it's not all just about me, but you know, the organization benefiting as well. So, you know, lesson two, Anthony, I guess, was, you know, working to ensure you build your self-awareness so you can self-manage more effectively. And would you say, you know, outside of a survey world, right? Because I think, you know, I think within these 360s, a lot of this data can come off in, in, a, in a snapshot perspective. But would you say post the 360, you know, really holding some really thoughtful 25 to 45 minute conversations with key stakeholders and team members to really contextualize the feedback that they gave you would be a good idea, like to really get some deeper nuance and understanding? Yes, this is a key activity associated with spending more time on how I am experienced in the workplace. And I recommend to clients that twice a year, not often, it's not something you have to do once a month or every other week, but you know, twice a year, sit down with peers sit down with bosses, sit down with direct reports, uh, find about half hour and ask them the following question. What's one or two things I could do differently to be more effective? It's not 50 things or 60 things. It's just one or two. I like the word different because it's not good or bad and people don't like judging other people. And if they feel like they're judging you, they might tell you you're wonderful and have no issues, whatever. But you know, what's one or two things I could do differently to be more effective. Who wouldn't want to help somebody else be more effective? And it may take a few times of asking it for someone to realize that you're serious and you really want to listen and you really want to learn. But if you have those type of conversations, whether you had a 360 or not, it's going to demonstrate to people that you want to understand more about 
how they are experiencing you. And of course, you need to listen and then you need to do something about it, right? One of the downsides of employee surveys is really in the taking of them is 10% of the activity. 90% is what's the company going to do with all this information we just shared. And of course, most companies don't do anything, right? So if you hear something that you're going to do a little bit differently, share that with people. If you hear something that you're not going to do differently, share that with people and tell them why you're not going to do what they suggested differently. I assume you have a good reason. and uh, But you have to get back to them either way. But that's a great way, Anthony, of ensuring that you're keeping alive a conversation with people you work with on having them provide you insight in one or two things you could be doing differently to be more effective. Yeah, you know, that's something that I think even to this day, I'm, I'm probably the most uncomfortable with regarding technology. You know, the surveys that, that are supported by technology, the programs, the AI, the things that are coming out, the Slack channels, you know, I appreciate and I, and I love scale and I've actually gotten more comfortable in these last few years, you know, supporting and appreciating your quote unquote HR tech stack or your leadership tech stack, right? The, the technology that, that supports surveys, the technology that supports internal communications, the technology that supports recruiting and all these things, right? Um, but what I think I've, I've been most excited about throughout my career is really having those contextual one-on-one -on -one conversations, but I would like to get your one, your, your, your tidbit on this though. What I've always pushed teams and companies and leaders to understand is that prior to having those conversations, you have to build enough psychological safety slash enough examples to that person to show that person that you, that you have a, a thick enough skin or enough enough desire to to truly hear the good, bad, and the ugly, right? And so I, I think that's one element missing in the workplace today where, because I think certain companies over-index on the technology piece, where a lot of the things are done in a way where you're not having contextual conversations, you're pulling a lot of data from a lot of technology and looking, looking at that big data and making decisions without really contextualizing that data in a very humanistic way. And I believe a lot of that reason is because there's not enough, there's not enough psychological safety between just two human beings to say, you know what, here's the honest perspective. Here's the honest feedback that I'm going to give you. And here are like three to four different examples of why I feel this feedback is true and why I believe it resonates. And I, and again, I, I think those conversations are not being had because there's not that trust. There's not that relationship. There's not that psychological safety work being done prior to the one-on-one, prior to the survey being rolled out, prior to some of the technology uh, extracting some of the data. And so I, I, I'm a big fan of data. I'm a big fan of big, uh, of, of, of tech. I'm a big fan of some of these, uh, the, these tech stacks that are coming out in the leadership and HR space. But prior to relying on the technology, I believe there needs to be good old-fashioned two human beings, groups of human beings, small team of six, building real relationships. So when you do utilize the technology or the surveys or whatever you're going to do, there's more honest information coming out because it, they because the other person on the other side knows that whomever they're giving that feedback to will actually understand where that feedback's coming from, take that feedback seriously and have empathy with the feedback. What are your, what are your quick thoughts on all that? Well, I agree that 
you know, uh, we sometimes fall too much on administration in order to implement a survey. I guarantee if any of your listeners have ever hired a company to come in and help them develop and implement an employee survey, 95% of the information that that company brought is in how to do it. And, but that's only the 10% of the activity. It takes me you know, five minutes to complete a survey. I don't know all the administrative work that went into to build it, but it just takes me five to 10 minutes to complete it. What I wanna know is what are you going to do about it? And so we spend all of our time on taking the data and the consultants tell us how to take the data. And we spend very little time and get very little input on 90% of the project, which is what are we going to do with this information? And I think there's three answers that we have to give folks in respect to ideas and recommendations that they make. One is, here's what we're gonna do differently based on the feedback that we heard. The second is, here's what we're gonna do differently based on the feedback that we heard, but we're not gonna do it now. We're gonna wait till next year or 2025, and here's why. And here's what we're not gonna do differently right now, right? I need an answer on all of them. And you know, one of the reasons we don't talk one-on-one -on -one with people about these types of things and to sound like a broken record goes back to our educational institution. We've never trained people either on how to give feedback that's constructive or helpful to others and also how to receive it, right? We, this word relationship means that there's two people involved. And oftentimes I'm not gonna share something with you that might be difficult for you to hear because I don't know how you're going to respond or react to it. And I'm worried that it's going to be problematic if I do that. So I just simply avoid it. And that's part of, to help us transition, Anthony, one of my 2023 lessons that I hope to work on and hope to focus on is this topic of being brave at work, which is how to ensure that I can share things that are hard to say, or that I believe will be hard to hear from others in a helpful, respectful, and professional way. I need to be able to do this on a regular basis because if we avoid being honest and candid about what we're currently experiencing, we're never going to make progress. We're going to be stuck wherever we were, and we're never, ever going to make progress. So, you know, I need to find ways in order to ensure that I can say something that's hard to say or say something that I think will be hard for you to hear in a very helpful way, right? I'm only saying it to help you. I'm not judging or belittling or putting you down and that I do it in a very respectful and professional way. I love that. I love that. And 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 going into 2023, what are you thinking about some other categories here that you actually didn't mention just now, just to kind of throw a curveball in this for a minute? You know, what are you thinking about some of the things that we actually discussed offline? You know, what are you thinking about this looming recession? What are you thinking about the, I believe, the responsibility or leadership at the lower level and man, you know, I believe lower level and mid-level managers are going to have a pretty big impact in a 2023 world based off of um, trying to sustain retention, trying to extract some significant data from their small, you know, small teams of six and 12 to, to pass on to director level, VP level and C-suite level executives to make thoughtful decisions on how they can better retain, how can they, how can they better recruit? So, so what are your thoughts on kind of, I think the, the, the relationship management piece within small teams, a leadership piece on how leaders can can extract better data from their teams? And then also just what are your macro thoughts on obviously just this ongoing 
conversation of recessions, cash freezes, hiring freezes, um, companies in limbo. What, do, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, just to talk about the, the team management piece you just mentioned, in addition to being a leadership coach, I'm also a team coach. And all employees are on an endless number of teams and uh, meet on a regular basis. And most of those meetings are undermanaged, underproductive, and ineffective. Not their fault. Again, they haven't learned how to ensure that if I'm going to have a group of people meet on a regular basis, that each meeting leads us closer to where we're going and we're not repeating and going over and being redundant in respect to what we have talked about. And all of that, or almost all of that, Anthony, has to do with how I lead the meeting, how I set expectations, how I ensure that people know who's in charge in the meeting in respect to managing it and how we move forward. We don't do that. We get together, we talk, and I'm sure 80% of the people leaving say, why was I even there today? Or what did we talk about today, et cetera. So you know, team leadership is largely relationship-based to ensure that we can focus on what we need to focus on in order to move forward. In respect to your kind of macro question, you know, I believe that organizations over the last 10 to 15 years have very slowly and quietly been transitioning from we take care of you to you need to take care of yourself. And no one has said this. There's not been a headline in the New York Times saying companies have now stated employees now have to take care of themselves. They're not doing it any longer. But we have been moving away from these uh, arenas where companies take care of you to you now need to take care of yourself. And this goes back to this key theme we talked about a little while ago, that nobody is going to care more about you than you. And you need to be thinking about how you can move forward, what your options are for moving forward. I know nobody can predict the future, but you should know at least what some of your options might be and what steps you can take in order to make progress. And in this wild world we now live in post-COVID, where we went from a world where even asking to work from home was something you never did because you didn't think it would go over well, to I now require it in order to work for your company, uh, it's changed. And the, the, the expectations and the roles and relationships are now modified and enhances this expectation that you are now driving your own career. And so uh, I was a little bit vague in that answer, I think, but uh, you know, it's really ensuring that people recognize that the evolving work environment is creating an expectation that you are driving your own career. I love that, and 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 let's do this before we wrap up. What's what's one bold message you would that you would share with with the employees out here as well as the leaders out here? Like, what's one bold out of the box something that you know some folks may be afraid to say, some folks may be a little bit uncomfortable saying, but something that's just a potentially an uncomfortable truth that that both both parties need to hear your employees need to hear and your leaders need to hear and then um and then plug anything you want to plug and, and we'll get you out of here <laughs> well look life is complicated and so you know i would ask anybody who is listening to take a few minutes to sit back and you know sit, sit down in your living room with your feet up or uh, out on a beach with your toes in the sand and ask yourself on a scale of one to six how happy am I where I am professionally? And if it's a five or a six, that's great. And that means that you are doing well. And this isn't just about money. And it's just not, a, and it's also not just about title uh, or power. 
but it's how ha happy am I? Am I accomplishing what a person should accomplish? You know, if it's a one, two, or three, that means you may not be where you want to be. And then the next question becomes really simply, what's one or two or three things I can do to get myself to that five or six? And again, these are complicated challenges. I'm not suggesting that's the whole strategy, but we need to take baby steps in order to make progress. And so it starts with, all right, I'm going to think about where I am and how happy I am where I am. And if you're not happy, the one person in life who should know it is you. And then think about what's one or two things I could be doing a little bit differently to make progress. And it could be something as simple as update my resume and send it to a friend and build an accountability relationship. So I take steps in order to enhance my career, right? It's, it doesn't have to be complex strategies on that front. So that's, you know, that's something, Anthony, I think people could do in order to assess where they are and some next steps they might take in order to make progress. And do you have anything you want to plug? Any any new things coming up? Any focuses? Um, any any potential collaborations, partnerships that you need or that you're looking for? If any if anyone's out there listening, or are you kind of like a one man show here? Well, I do tend to be a one man show, so it's just kind of how life has evolved. You know, I would tell folks that they can go to www.bebraveatwork.com to hear almost 280 conversations about bravery in the workplace. We are ceasing production of that podcast this month. Uh, it has been on for about three years. And this fall, I'll actually be publishing my third book, Be Brave at Work, where I'm going to be sharing some of the lessons and experiences that my guests, as well as others, have had about how to be braver at work. And if we had more time, you know, we would talk about bravery in the workplace, but uh, looking to ensure that if there is a conversation that you should have that you're avoiding, again, what's one or two things you can do in order to increase the likelihood that you have that hard conversation. It might be something that's hard to say, or it might be something that you worry will be hard for the other person to hear. But as long as you're being helpful, and as long as you're being respectful and professional, the likelihood of it producing a positive outcome is significantly increased. I love it. I love it. And I appreciate you. Thank you for, uh, you know, for allowing me on your podcast, you know, two different times there. there was, those are great conversations. Today was a great conversation. And, and, and I think this was a great, you know, wrap up of, of 2022 and 2023. And, and, and in a way that I think is different. So um, managers, leaders, employees, there's a lot of good things here for you today. And uh, Ed, I appreciate you and, 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 all, and everything you've shared today and your time. Likewise, Anthony, it's been great working with you over the last few years and continued success. 100%. I appreciate you.